Why isn't anyone telling the real story? That smell in my kitchen. What is it? That story can lead me to a decision about my future. It can help me know the source. Conquer the source. Change my reality. A dead rat? Baby shoes? Gum? Cigarette butts? An oozing hand in a plastic bag? Molded rubber gloves? A box of live crickets? Coffee stains? Candy corn? Mold? Headphones that night? Leaning on cars? A low whistle? That scar? An unexpected guest at 3 a.m. Macaroni and cheese. Or the smell in the kitchen could be a phantom smell. I sometimes smell things. Wafts of darkness, scented rage. My friends don't smell anything in my kitchen, they say, but they are social liars. Their polite cover, thin as perfume and soap. Covering the real smell, the vile smell. My brother Mike says I always smell like rising dough. I don't bake. He has the faint smell of baby urine. He has no children. I can't even get in his car because it smells like wet dogs and fear. And what about the stain, shaped like South Carolina, on the harsh burgundy carpet in my living room. I guess I could be content to believe that the last tenant spilled wine, had a party that lasted too long, guess that wouldn't leave. But is that really what happened? I can't help but balance on the outer rim of the violent history in that room. Two brothers, that harvest table, a wrench, his thick thumbs, her necklace, the thinning roll of tape, a brunette wig flung near the fireplace, a moan, some cookies, damp blankets, a dirty shot glass, money, her head separated by now, blood, hair and blood, that ear, his shoelaces hanging off the chair. I have strong thighs. I like shellfish. My mother's name is Annabelle. People say I am unusual, unique. I am layered. I sing. I like to hike in the late afternoon. I never get bored. I entertain myself quite easily. I make up words. I make things up. Sometimes I kidnap small dogs and name them numerically. But the numbers are complex, parts of equations, square roots, that sort of thing.
I don't smoke or leave crumbs. I tear things, though. I can't help it. I always have. What I perceive to be true is not always the truth. I just don't feel like any of us really tell the truth. We tell a truth of sorts. It is only the story by half. We're just not saying it, naming it, talking about it. We walk like zombies towards the sun. I take my mother out to dinner. When she gets drunk, she wants to dance and tell dirty jokes. Jack and Jill went up a hill and Jack lit up a reef. Jill got high on Zip Jack's fly and then said, where's the beef? Everyone laughs, of course. She thinks the comedy is in the rhyme scheme. Who tells her these jokes? Is this the secret fun at church? The real Bible study digression? They meet at each other's houses. Toast to Jesus with pineapple juice, cranberry, orange. He is the truth and the light. Mom brings the graham crackers. She and another woman spread Nutella or honey and peanut butter on the ones they set out on a platter. What do they talk about? Did Jesus really have a wife, you think? I don't know. Maybe Jesus was a happily married man until he started saying things, promising things, performing miracles. I imagine that might be stressful on a marriage. What was her name, you think? Certainly not Mary, but maybe. The real trinity. Mary the mother, Mary the wife, and Mary the holy whore. After lunch, mother's sniffing through my kitchen cabinets like a bomb dog. I smell a, I little, smell a little smoke, smoke from, from a fire, but it's pleasant. It's pleasant. An, apple An apple or orange, or orange but nothing offensive, food. honey. I think, I you, think should you should rest. I fight my exhaustion. I'm nauseated by the smell. It's sour, like the haunt of spilled beer and something left for dead. Overripe, the struggle of staying alive. I told my across the whole neighbor that my flat smelled like death. Yes, there was a death here in 1922. How does she know this? She speaks with such authority. Her eyes widen. Do you hear that stomping, marching sound in the hallway around midnight? Yes, I say. Her certainty is religious. Well, I opened my door one night to see who it was. Her eyes gleam as she pauses. No one. I remember feeling annoyed by the late-night marching. I just assumed it was my wildish next-door neighbor who gathered cats, brought them home through her window. She was restless, meth-eyed, and breathless. An exchange with her was never easy. She had the style of an heiress undercover. Her bike was rusty, but her hair retained moisture. Soft curls. And just get, and rid, just of get rid of that carpet. Rip, Rip it, up it up and, and face, face whatever's, whatever's there. there. I rent, Mother. My landlord doesn't want me ripping things up. It's in my contract. 
Well, at least cover up that hideous stain. It looks like your father when he fell off a ladder last summer. I want to rip things up. Face whatever's there. Research. Make a documentary. Too vague, says my friend, Gus. You've got to have a thesis, a story. There's a crisis, a backstory, and a resolve. He gets out his wallet. I do the same. The lunch money duel. Draw your weapons. I've got this one, he says generously. We're at Norm's. I had the all-you-can-eat gumbo special for three ninety-nine. Thanks. Gus is writing a reality show about Jesus. Well, really, about five people who were dropped in the middle of the desert for 40 days. Who will do what Jesus did? I smile, even though I can't remember what Jesus did in the desert. Gus is on to his next project, an S&M romantic comedy. I have three bowls of soup while I listen to Gus deconstruct this. Now in this scene, Isabella has a fake triumph. She thinks she's married her prince, but she's about to get a shocking slap of reality. Literally. She's completely lost and disoriented, but there's no turning back. End of Act One. I look around and see if anyone's listening to my out-of-work writer friend and his sad enthusiasm about two projects already fraught with problems. You overhear the table behind us, two large gentlemen eating pie. The large one says, So by the middle of Act Two, she's strong again. Right? Gus and I have been friends since the 70s. We were neighbors. Our mothers didn't like each other. My mother and your mother were hanging out close. My mother hit your mother right in the nose. Sometimes your mother hit my mother right in the nose. What color was the blood? Our made-up colors would get ridiculously long names so we could postpone the inevitable as we spelled out the color. Deep in the city, dungeon red. D. E. E. P. I. N. T. H. E. C. I. T. Y. D. U. N. G. E. O. N. R. E. D. You're it. Gus and I shake hands in Norm's parking lot. He has a weak and sweaty handshake. I can't remember where I parked my car. We make a vague plan for our next meeting. Almost a series of grunts that signify what we have come to understand as our future together. In my car, I smell that smell again. Roll down my window. It won't leave me. Then there are these thoughts of you. Of us. The taste of you. Dread in my throat. Bathing for hours. Resting alone. Waking up screaming. Distant sirens. 
Mississippi nights. Your crooked walk. Loopy smile. That curl in your sleep. Hair that smells like Surprising me in windows. Your pressure pauses. Your knuckles bleeding. Sliced face. Beside me. Your hunches. Amazing eyes. Green glare. On your balcony. Dancing once. Your shame. Your ankles. Alone with you, you're stammering. What is your heart? Not wanting to say. Your dream of flowers. I've had a lot of jobs. I like my knees to clear a certain distance from the edge of the table. I've wandered from office to office in search of the perfect desk height. I've done this for six years. It has been a dark period. I overeat. I talk incessantly on the phone about nothing. Nothing that I can recall or account. I am becoming bitter. It is clearly time to move on. Getting On with James Urbaniak, Episode 4, That Smell, was written by Coleman Huff and produced and performed by James Urbaniak. The Mother was played by Coleman Huff, The Mother's Friend by Julie Anderson. The organist was Jesse Crawford.